This week, I ruined Jason's life with the Dixie Chicks. That's right. We're tackling the big subjects this week, like mattress dancing. That's right. I said mattress dancing. (laughs) So you see why I was hesitant to do that joke. Hi, I'm Jason Edwards. Hi, I'm Kelsey Goldman. Welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like. Mm-hmm. The things you like so much that they've ruined your life. Hey, Kelsey, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for not hitting the table with anything when you answered that. <laughs> um, are you ready for this one? Yeah. This episode's going to be a big one. It's going to be a tough one for some of us. For, for me, you mean? Yeah, because we're talking about the Dixie Chicks. I'm going to get emotional. And you're going to get very emotional. You have warned me several times <laughs> over that you're going to get emotional. I, I think I've prepared myself enough that I can do this. You think so? I think so. What have you done to prepare yourself? Well, I, I got all my emotions out about the Dixie Chicks yesterday when I spent all day at work listening to them. So I could do this with a clear head. Okay. Did you cry at all when you were doing that? Yeah, I did. Okay. It's no shame. This is a no judgment zone. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> well, this I say the two of us here is a no judgment zone. Once we package this as a product, they can judge us all and they put it want. out into the world. Yeah, it's a it's a high judgment zone. Like Very high. High, never higher. But so we're going to talk about uh, the Dixie Chicks. Are they your favorite band? Is that fair to say? I think that's probably fair to say. They're definitely the band that's had like the biggest effect on my overall psyche <laughs> um that's pretty interesting you know what? let's start at the beginning okay uh how old were you when you first heard the music of the dixie chicks nine okay let me ask a follow-up question do you think that was good was that a good age to start I think the dixie there's chicks a lot because so wide open spaces the uh first major label release came out in 1998 so i'm gonna say i was nine because i figure well i turned nine that year um uh i think so i think there's a lot about it that i didn't connect with till later in life but i think it was i think it was a pretty good age i think especially that first album and and the second album fly had a lot that a young girl could connect to. I'm sort of curious how a nine-year-old got her hands on the Dixie Chicks breakthrough uh, uh, major label album release. Well, I listened to country music when I was little. Really? Like on the radio? Like on the radio. I mean, and like, you know, country music was, I for me, I guess, more prevalent in in... My life then, like, I did listen to it on the radio. My dad listened to it a lot. Um, Shania Twain's Come On Over that had, uh, that don't impress me much on it, had come out the year before. So there was a whole kind of entree into that sort of pop country feel. And then um, the Dixie Chicks were not pop country. I definitely wouldn't call them that. Um, but they were much closer, like bluegrass country and, and bluegrass was something that my mom and my mom's family 
had listened to and had um, interest in. So, and there were a lot of some, a lot of the songwriters from the first album were people, um, interesting people, and people um, who were known in the bluegrass world. I don't know. And I think it was just like I I like bluegrass music, and I've always liked bluegrass music, and I don't know if it's just because I'm like at heart a <laughs> Appalachian Hill person. <laughs> um, and I think like the just sort of mix of like the strong female voice with the type of music that I was into at the time, as well as like the sort of like heavy fiddle and banjo of bluegrass just kind of met all in one thing that I probably didn't process at age nine or 10. How much of your music uh, uh, diet was country music and bluegrass music when you were nine? The parts that weren't like what everyone was listening to in 1998, like, you know, boy bands and, and the parts that weren't pop music, like the parts that weren't, you know, me trying to keep up with the trends as it were. So you were listening to pop music when you were nine? I think so. Like like on the radio? I think so. Wow, that's, I guess that's not unusual, but I, I was so, I was so disconnected from that until I was 12 that I really had... No idea what was going on. I mean, I, I own the NSYNC Bye 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 album. I mean... Or the Celebrity album? No Strings Attached. I may be, I may be confusing, too. That's the one that Bye 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 is from. Which one had um, It's Gonna Be Me on it? Is that No That's Strings Attached? That's also No Strings Attached. That's a classic, though. Yeah. It's Gonna Be Me. That's a good album. Um, Digital Get Down. That's Those are the other things I was listening to um, at the time. Is that Dirty Pop, too? No, that's... Dirty Pop is, I want to say, Celebrity. Or maybe it's just okay. called Pop. I, I'm now realizing that I had both. I had both those albums. But aside from that, I also owned the Eagle Eye Cherry CD. I mean, I, yeah, I owned, like, a lot of stuff. I feel like I had a very weird, like, musical intake as a child. I, I listened to pop music, but I also had, like, Led Zeppelin Four on vinyl. <laughs> like, <laughs> I had a very... Wow, you were a hip little little child. Um, yeah, I stole records from my parents' basement. It was like there was a, a turntable, and I was like, I want these. No, that, <laughs> that was, was probably not... like that was probably like thirteen. I was probably thirteen. You were swiping records from your parents' basement and playing them on your turntable. I took your the child... turntable too. You're... Oh my gosh, your <laughs> youth was so cinematic. <laughs> you were like a movie young person. It was, except not really. Like I a, also had like you're like a Cameron Crowe character. Boxes and boxes of cassette tapes of like, you know, the Spice Girls and <laughs> <laughs> on cassette. On cassette, I definitely had Spice on cassette. Now, what was that, that thing they came out with that played ninety seconds of a song that was like on a keychain? I never had about? those. I had several of those. I had. Uh, dreams he loves you not on that a dream and this was a product you could buy for money that basically played the equivalent of the itunes preview yeah and it came on a tiny little like a memory card type player forgot about dream i wish i'd love to go back and 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 write like a science fiction story that projected that into the future (laughs) um where where tapes are still the thing that everyone uses but it's like in this modern world of pay-per-view and Actually, I'm realizing right now that I'm actually describing Infinite Jest, so I'm going to pump the brakes on that that tangent. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I, I always had a really eclectic music taste. Um, you, but... were, you weren't like other girls. No, I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I, I saw NSYNC in concert. I, I, <laughs> I went there. Um, but, like, my first concert was Cher. <laughs> oh, that explains a lot. <laughs> 
<laughs> um, oh, I see. My first concert was the 18s. I like them too. With Aaron Carter. They opened for Aaron Carter, of course, because he was the bigger act. That makes sense, yeah. But yeah. you were there for the 18s. No, I was there for Aaron Carter. Oh. The 18s were, um, so sort of, I don't really remember them very well. I remember the Aaron Carter part of the show ABBA. very clearly. They're ABBA reincarnated. Yeah, I don't think I really picked up on that when I was 10. <laughs> you mentioned mm-hmm. that the Dixie Chicks music sort of influenced you mm-hmm. in a lot of ways, your psyche. Mm-hmm. Um, if you can sort of elaborate on that, like, in what ways do you think it's influenced you, like, specifically, like, creatively, like, the way you express yourself, or, and this is a little more abstract, but I think you'll know what I mean, um, the way you feel your feelings, like, you know how music allows you to sort of understand and, like, explore your emotions, yeah. especially at a younger age, but even in adulthood, like, mm-hmm. can you sort of track the way that happened with the Dixie Chicks? Yeah, I think, I mean, for me, the Dixie Chicks were, um... One of the first bands that I, like, fell for on my own, like, I think my mom or my dad probably, like, bought me the CD or something, but, like, I chose myself to enjoy it, <laughs> as it were. You know when you, like, you you like things because your parents introduced them to you or you, you know, I feel like it was one of the first things that I was like, no, this is mine, or mm. you like something because your friend said something or, you know, everyone else likes it, so I'm going to enjoy in sync's no strings attached um not that it was a bad album but no, I think, it's a classic as we've already established yeah the dixie chicks was just were just one of the first things that i like grabbed onto as a, as a young girl and one of the first like bands that were writing songs that i felt i could connect to as like a girl growing up in kentucky um wide open spaces is like i feel like every girl who grows up somewhere that they think they don't have like that's not, they think is not as good as other places. Like they think is not that that song is just such an anthem for like going out in the world and being yourself. And like, if I'm remembering right, it explicitly opens with a line about like, who doesn't know what I'm talking about? Yeah. (laughs) Girls, this one's for you. Yeah. And I think, I think that's just like something I connected to. And like, it was, it was songs like from this female perspective that didn't feel that weren't necessarily about relationships, which is, like, something that I've never really thought about until now, but that was very unprecedented for me at the time. Um, That's a good point, especially in mainstream music, to say nothing of country in in particular. That's a rarity even now. Yeah. And not that all their songs aren't about relationships, but a lot of them... Are are not about relationships. Are not about relationships. being a person independent of... Your romantic entanglements. Yeah. <laughs> which there's plenty of those. I mean, love songs dominate pop music, you know, since the dawn of time. Right. But there's more songs from a male perspective that are just about other things. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's definitely definitely a, a paucity. Did I say that right? Paucity? There's a shortage of songs um, by and for women about just being a person. Mm-hmm. And like a, a lot of a lot of the songs on Wide Open Spaces, that first album, are relationship songs, and a lot of them are like you know, songs about like you know I'm I'm better than that other girl, but like that one song, Wide Open Spaces, is just such. It rings so true with me when I was like nine and ten, and then it it still rings true with me today, and I feel like that's hard to do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, also, like, I feel like the the band itself, like, I don't know if you're going to get to this later. Like, I grew with them. Like, they changed and grew and the stuff they were talking about, like, 
stayed relatable to me. Yeah, no, we can get into that. Like, yeah. like when you were probably 10 when Fly came out, mm-hmm. which is the album that has Goodbye Earl on it. So you yeah. were definitely in that phase all girls go through when they're, you know, fantasizing about getting married and also then killing their husbands. Obviously. Mm-hmm. And wrapping them in a tarp. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I get what you're saying. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, and that that song is great and fun, and I I think Fly is a really great album because it has, it is wonderfully like fun in parts and equally as poignant and sad in others. <laughs> um, because it also has like it also has like some days you gotta dance. This is just about like some days you gotta you dance. Just gotta you gotta just you know you gotta let give loose. It up. Uh, get get you know turn up. Yeah, pretty much. Some days you gotta turn up, which is still true to this day. Yep. Although, were you really feeling that as a 10-year-old, that some days you just have to do whatever the, the 10-year-old version of turning up is? No, but, like, in high school, like, going back and listening to that later, that was, like, something that was, like, some days, like, after I have been, like, coping with my depression and, like, being, like, <laughs> sort of, like, emotionally comatose, like, a lot of that stuff, like, rang super true. Like, some days you just, you have to do a thing for yourself. You just have to, like, put yourself first and and do what you want to do, metaphorically. Yeah, the Dixie Dance. Chicks, early advocators of self-care. <laughs> exactly. I can dig that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, like, and like Goodbye Earl is, a, is, as much as it is a sort of, like, misandrist song, it's really a song about female friendship. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to get through this without, like... Getting super emotional, but oh, we're gonna get there. Uh, I mean, and fly the fly tour was in two thousand, and that was like I think my second or third concert I ever went to. Um, That's sort of a nice lead into my follow up question to my last question, which is why did it take us so long to do this episode? Because uh, I feel like I sort of pitched this uh, before we even started recording this podcast almost a year ago. Because. When you first pitched it, uh, I had just come off seeing the Dixie Chicks in their reunion world tour um, in, like, the seventh row at Madison Square Garden that my mom got me these amazing tickets because she's amazing. Um, And I have not been so emotionally spent. Ever? (laughs) Maybe not ever, but, like, it was just, it was very, it was, it hit me so much harder than I realized it was going to. And I was like, I'm not ready to talk about this. I'm so sorry. I can't do it. <laughs> if I remember correctly, you said that they came out, um, started playing the first song and you instantly began crying. Yeah. I'm, I'm pretty sure the first song was Wide Open Spaces, which is. is there, there you go. That's the hell way to um, start them off. And it might not have been, but like I, it was definitely one of the more like poignant songs. And I was like, well, fuck. <laughs> and I cried pretty much the whole concert. Your mom sent a, a Snapchat during that concert that where she starts on her own face and sort of pans around to you. And it sort of burned in my memory because I remember thinking, is Kelsey crying? <laughs> Is she singing along or is she like weeping openly? Both. <laughs> Turns out you can do both. You can do both at once. 
It's very possible. So you just, you weren't ready to, to get that deep. I just, I wasn't ready to get that yet. deep. And like, even now, like when I was, yesterday when I was listening through all this stuff, I was like, shit. Like, I don't think I realized really until I went to the the reunion concert or tour. I guess it's not really a reunion tour. They didn't really split up. They just stopped making music for a while. Um, I mean, I, I think they're basically retired. I don't know if they have plans to make another album, but... Um, I didn't realize how much the music meant to me until I was, like, put up, like, facing it as an adult. <laughs> um, so. Forced to confront yourself in a way. Yes. To confront your own emotions. Yeah. That can be a hell of a thing to go through. <laughs> yeah. And I can understand why you weren't ready to um, share that deeply personal thing with me just yet. Uh, follow-up question. Why are you afraid to let people know you? <laughs> Is that, is that a real question? And, I mean, do you have a real answer? Not really. Because <laughs> I'm human. <laughs> I'm afraid of being judged. <laughs> so you think, okay, so in your view, being human means almost being emotionless. So more like a robot no. than a human. Are Why you a robot, I... Kelsey? Jason. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is, uh, this, I'm going to make you do something really hard now. Okay. But we got to do it for the sake of the discussion. Uh, what is your favorite album? Oh, God. Um, and it doesn't have to be your favorite from nine years old to today. Like, I understand that favorite albums change. I think, like, right now. What is it right now? My favorite album is Home, which is the third album. Hmm. Which is, I think you you said, like, it's it's a lot more rooted in bluegrass um, than uh, the first two. My impression of it is. It's yeah. also very emotionally uh, intense, I think. Um. It has, um, I didn't even realize it because just to sort of set the groundwork for how I experienced this is that you made me a playlist mm-hmm. where you picked from the four Natalie era Dixie Chicks albums. The major label releases. Yeah, the, the, the canonical albums, you the, might the say. The canonical albums, You yes. picked like five to eight from each album. Yeah. So I've only sort of experienced the highlights, but I do have an idea of what each album is like yeah. as a separate piece. Mm-hmm. And um, Home definitely struck me as the more bluegrass mm-hmm. influenced one. And yeah. definitely has like, because that has Traveling Soldier, which is... Which is <laughs> is on the face of it the saddest, like... Yeah, it's almost too sad, really. Like, to, if you really don't count. cry a little bit, like, are you heartless? Maybe. Wait, I didn't cry when I heard it. Really? Oh, my God. Am I the robot? Oh, God. No, I, I remember hearing that for the first time and being like, why are they doing this to me? This is so sad. Um, that's how and, I felt when I first and heard it. And that song actually doesn't make me cry as much anymore as um, Top of the World, which makes yeah. me cry a lot. Like, which that's is, a hell of a thing, right? Is a much more, like mature song like storytelling or like narrative wise it's it's a very different idea but it like hits me so hard now it's almost i only listened to that one once because it was so like powerful i kind of didn't want to revisit it yeah but it almost this might not be fair of me but in my mind it sort of sits outside the dixie chicks canon in a way really because it's i mean it's written it's one of the ones that's written just by another person I mean, they do a lot of songs that are written just by another person. I know, but they have a lot of ones they also co-wrote. Yeah. But this one is such... Uh, I, I really hear the songwriter's voice in a very specific way But I mean, it's song. by Patty Griffin, who has written other songs on there. 
Really? Um, she wrote Truth Number Two. I know, it, 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 it just narratively, it's not a clear like when you compare Top of the World to Traveling Soldier. One is like very clear cut, almost cliched, mm-hmm. and whereas Top of the World is much more like sort of ambiguous in what it's about and is, I think, more crushing emotionally for that reason. Mm-hmm. Like, well, what would you say Top of the World is about? Because I'm not sure I maybe understand your perception of it. I think it's about isolation and anxiety and the feeling that you're not good enough. Whereas, like, Traveling Soldier is a sad story. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, a much more traditional... I'm not saying it's a bad... Either one is bad, but it's... No, but Traveling Soldier is a much more traditional yeah. country ballad about, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. young lovers and one of them dies tragically. Yeah. Yeah. The way you felt that when you first heard Traveling Soldier reminds me of the way I first felt when I heard, um, oh, what is it, Last Kiss? That old teen, you know, dying on the side of the road drama that Pearl, Pearl Jam covered? Yeah, but you have to understand, like, Home came out when I was, like, 13. Yeah. So that was that was what I was emotionally ready to relate to at the time, that, like, sort of cliche story. Yeah. Um. But, like, going back now, like, Top of the World is, like, such a... Like, I kind of rediscovered Home after I dealt with my depression for the first time. And... Or, like, made it a part of... Made managing it a part of my life. (laughs) Um, uh, I'm not trying to say you were wrong or unevolved or anything or unsophisticated for enjoying Traveling Soldier or Crying Out. I was just trying to draw a line between that and when I first heard Last Kiss, which is another... Almost like unfairly tragic is that song. The one that's kind of like it's kind of like a weirdly uh, a doo-woppy. Yeah, like <laughs> we were out on a yeah, date. Yeah, yeah, that one. <laughs> I didn't want to sing a bar, but you made me do it. You're making me sing. I'm sorry. I first heard it, and I was so um, so Ill- ill-equipped to deal with emotions at that point in my life that yeah. for like ten years I hated Pearl Jam for making me hear that song. Oh. That's how. I mean, I didn't process sadness very well in my life up until. Mm-hmm. Oh, what what's today's day? <laughs> so I don't think it's wrong to, to cry at Traveling Soldier or be upset by it I just I don't know I think I was really caught off guard by Top of the World because I sort of wrote it off halfway through when I was listening to it for the first time Yeah. and then by the end I was like oh no wait this is this is part of my French that real shit that, that real shit that real shit mm-hmm. um, so but is Home so Home is now is your favorite album yeah I think Home is the one that I that I connect to most that said i the the their final or say final album because i'd really like them to make another one um taking the long way is almost entirely songs written or co-written by them right and they're i mean i don't want to jump into my opinions too soon but they're they're really good yeah they're really really good (laughs) they're real good yeah um and i and i and that album is is really great and i think I have a soft spot for home because of when I I got it and when I kind of rediscovered it as well. Because um, I've done, like, the Dixie Chicks, like, I'll have, I'll go through periods of time where I, like, don't really listen to them. But then, like, it'll come from my shuffle and I'll be like, oh, shit, this. <laughs> Take the Long Way, I definitely, like, I downloaded, or no, I think I had the actual CD. And then downloaded it later. But, um. That's era appropriate. It was 07, right? Oh six, yeah. People, yeah. people still bought CDs back yeah, then. Yeah, um, and I think I kind of like you know when you're like trying to introduce a new album into your 
like rotation. You're like, I'm like, I don't really want to listen to this right now. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Like, I think I like sort of like put it on the shelf for a while and then came back to it like when I was in college and it felt more right then. <laughs> um, it felt more right. It feels even more right now, like taking the long way, especially like it's very much about like leaving where you're from but not being afraid to go back there not not being being okay with where you're from i think i think it's it's about that i mean and i think um okay long time gone is also kind of about being okay with where you're from and being okay with different being not the status quo of there like and embracing you know being that girl who like in wide open spaces like left and went to figure herself out and realized she's not necessarily what everyone expected and being okay with that. There's a narrative. I'm curious about this because when I listen to Long Time Gone and to Long Way Around, I don't hear that same sense of being okay with the way you're from. Mm -hmm. I hear very strongly a not necessarily an entirely malicious rejection, but a rejection of where you're from. Like she, I mean, you know, the, the first... Um, the first stanza of uh, taking the long way around, which I felt very personally attacked by, by the way, <laughs> is about all these people she went to high school with marrying their high school <laughs> sweethearts and staying in the same zip code. But you didn't do that. I did half of that. <laughs> but I think it's very clearly meant to, to demarcate, okay, this is what they did, yeah. and I'm not doing that, and I'm okay with myself for not doing that. Yeah, like, but I, don't, I, 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 don't I think... think I, don't, there's really, I, don't, I don't see the whole circling back around to saying, you know, but I'm okay with what, with this thing I'm from. I don't see that. I think that's... Because for me, I feel like that is the narrative because it's much more... Those songs tonally are much more, like... Positive? Like, I don't see the rejection as part of it. I see, like, a demarcation as 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 choosing a different path. But they're both, like... They're, the titles of even of them are like coming back, taking the long way around. I've been a long time gone. I've been a long time gone and I ain't going back again. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that one less so. But, <laughs> um, like I feel like if we're going to talk about rejection, like like Lubbock or Leave It is is flat out rejection <laughs> of, of where you're from. Like that's. <laughs> and that's from the same album though. It is. But I don't know. I'm reading into it things I want to read into it because, like, I mean, I grew up wanting to leave Kentucky and wanting to move to New York and, and wanting to and just being somewhat ashamed of where I was from. And as I grew up, I realized that, like, I like where I'm from and I will defend it pretty vehemently. Like, yeah, I don't live there anymore, but like. I would have no problem with going back there if it was, like, financially and, you know, socially feasible for me. Like, because of what I do, it's not <laughs> at the current moment, but it's not never. And for me, like, there was always, like, if I stay, like, there was always, like, you either leave or you stay, and there's not a you can leave and come back. Like, there's not that choice. And I think, like, a lot of those kind of help me see that maybe there is that choice and maybe you can 
do something different. And not necessarily like those songs maybe are a rejection of, of their particular past, but I think they're also not in the fact that they're conveying them through a very particular medium. And like a lot of what Long Tongue Gone is about is also about the fact that like country music is not the same anymore. And like it was better when it was older. And well, I mean, I, I, I love this thing about country music where people are always bring up these very specific um, callbacks to the better times <laughs> and how things aren't what they used to be. And are you sure Hank done it this way? Maybe that shit goes back to like 1975. <laughs> and it's a very, I mean, I could probably, um, I, I would take some time, but I could probably write a whole dissertation about the similarities between country music and hip hop music. I would read that so hard. But very much like Merle Haggard and and Hank Williams Mm -hmm. are in the same place as like Tupac and Biggie where they are signifiers of authenticity and and, and the highest form of the the art. And and, um, writers and performers hearken back to them to either, you know, disparage their competition or, or, you know, aspire to that level of greatness. And I, I love Long Time Gone just for that reason. And it, I think it, it may be, if there was a, a, a thought of like reconciliation in, in Long Time Gone, it sort of gets lost underneath this need to have a, the last verse be all about, <laughs> well, they, they might have money, but they don't have cash, which is... Johnny. J- yeah. yeah. <laughs> that reminds me a little bit too much of the whole, like, do you know, do you know the, that, that dumb, it's not quite a meme, but the whole, 10 years ago we had... Johnny Cash, Bob Hope, and Steve Jobs. And now, 10 years later, we have no cash, no hope, and no jobs. Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen that. It's a very like anti-Obama <laughs> meme, so to speak. So yeah. it might be why you haven't encountered it. Because yeah. that, that gets a little bit too much into that. But I'm getting really bogged down in the, specifics, the lyrical specifics of that one song. I, I really like your... Uh country music, hip-hop music comparison. Like, I would read a book on that. I think that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, uh, I'm sure I'm not the first person to make that comparison, but it has always fascinated me because I'm a lot more literate in the world of hip-hop than I am of country. But whenever mm-hmm. I do, I do try to investigate country music pretty often, and it's always, there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, call-out to... yeah to the past and in the way that and the, cl- the classic uh purveyors of the art yeah i guess maybe that's might be partly because i'm just sort of bullshitting here but because both hip-hop and country music have a very regional aspect to them like they're very regional and um almost like i mean i don't want to get too deep into this i'm going to probably embarrass myself but there's, <laughs> there's a specificity to like the audience and the culture that's coming mm-hmm. out of that you don't have in like rock music or, or things like that. Yeah. But so um, I think maybe what I'm, I'm going to try to come back around to this now is that you and I maybe just have different feelings about where we came from. That's super true. And I think yeah. we also both have different feelings about the possibility of you moving back to Kentucky. I'm not um, going to leave New York anytime soon. Don't worry. Okay. Sure. I'm not. Sure. That's <gasps> I fine. don't. Okay. I, yeah. I don't it's have fine. any plans. No, I'm 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 fine. <laughs> I'm I'm good. Uh, Can you sort of break down like how much of your enjoyment of the Dixie Chicks is based on like the lyrics and the songwriting versus the instrumentation and the the music? 
is there any way to sort of, I don't know, maybe it's just the answer is just, you know, it's, it, it's half and half. Yeah, but. it honestly is probably about 50-50. I mean, I think I probably put a lot more thought into the, because, you know, we've talked about before, when we talked about music, that I'm much more of a, a, a lyrical person. Um, with the Dixie Chicks, though, I think I probably put a lot more weight on the music because I understand more, like, how difficult the the music they're making is like i i have so much respect for banjo players and like it i love the banjo and i would love to learn to play but i can't <laughs> i'm very i'm very not musically talented at all and like i love i there's a one instrumental song on a home which is like i love it still um and i just think i think um Technically, I appreciate bluegrass music a lot more than other types of music, so I I do put a little more weight on the use of of of, of the instrumentation and that sort of thing. And I I love the fiddle and the banjo, and so I like, which is like during that was probably the one part I wasn't crying during the concert was they had a, a just like a Emily Marty just going at it on the fiddle and the banjo at one point, and it was. Awesome. So I think, yeah, I think, well, it's probably 50-50 because I do really connect with a lot of the lyrical parts of it. You know, for most other music for me, it's like 60-40 or 70-30. I mean, I get it. My favorite band is the Mountain Goats where it's on a good day, (laughs) 70-30 lyrics to music. We we, we guess we kind of touched on this earlier, but are there any songs you go to specifically when you're feeling a certain mood? Like songs you visit when you're, especially sad or just emotional or songs when you're feeling celebratory or excited? I mean, Top of the World is is pretty much one of my go-to, like, uh, uh, let me wallow in it songs. Um, it's also like six minutes long, which is a, a good length for a wallowing song. That's a good wallow. Yeah. Yeah, you can really dig down deep into that one. Um I mean, Some Days You Gotta Dance is, is one of my, like, go-to, like, getting ready songs. <laughs> <laughs> my, like, as much as it, like, meant a lot of different things to me, like, it is, it's a fun, happy song that's like, yeah, turn it up. <laughs> um, I don't know, and I usually, like, my, uh, like, flying home or driving home mixes tend to have a lot of Dixie Chicks on them. To put me in that uh, mindset, I guess. That Kentucky headspace. Yeah. A Kentucky state of mind. Mm. I think Love It or Leave It is a great angry song. <laughs> like, and it's like, like, it's a good driving song, too. <laughs> um, and then Not Ready to Make Nice is obviously an amazing angry song. Mm, yeah. Just self-righteous and awesome. <laughs> I gotta say, just as sort of an aside, I first heard Not Gonna Make Nice when it came out in like 06. Not Ready to Make Nice, yeah. Yeah, what did I say? Not Gonna Make not, Nice? Well, they're not gonna make nice. They're not, no. No. But they're not ready either. They're not, they're not ready. They're never gonna be ready. No. And I, and I obviously knew about the whole controversy with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot what it really was, but she really didn't say much at all. Like she said no, like she one- she just kind of insulted the president a yeah, little bit, which, which like, 
post 2006 is like nothing yeah i mean that was like in the middle <laughs> but, of the iraq war when she said that and, that, and she and what she said was very mild all things considered but also in country music like that was another thing that i like super connected to i think in country music there's there's a sort of like a expected uh right leaning <laughs> From from the industry in general, and I think that's less true now, but it's definitely still true for like a lot of people. Um, but it was, you know, for a band that's from Texas and 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 in the country music industry, like that was unheard of in two thousand six when you've got people like Toby Keith being yeah. Like <laughs> and when I first heard uh, "Not Ready to Make Nice," mm-hmm. I think I I didn't dislike the song, but I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's it wasn't that bad. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. But now, I mean, being older and hopefully a little wiser, and and, know, and and knowing more, like what happens <laughs> when like a woman speaks out and is, you know, shouted down and harassed on like a yeah. really scary level, uh, like having a better understanding, I think, of what that's like and how that feels, not from experience, just from like observing and understanding more how it happens. That song is a lot more radical and like empowering than I really understood at, at the time. Because they really, and like they not just like were harassed by people, like they took a lot, like a huge blow from the industry. Yeah. Like the industry basically abandoned them after that. Mm -hmm. And I, and that was for me, that was definitely something that like I still loved them, obviously. obviously. And I think a lot of young Southern girls like who maybe grew up in these places, like I'm not saying I did because I grew up in a fairly liberal environment, but like grew up in these places where you know, conservatism was the standard and like, I'm not ready to make nice is such an, I think an important song because it's like, it's saying that you can have your opinion and you're allowed to be mad. And I think girls especially don't get told that they're, they always get told that they have to apologize. Like you, like I do it all the time. Like I over apologize. I say, I'm sorry all the time. And, and, and that's something that I think, Girls being told, like girls understanding that they don't have to apologize for a, something like that is is really important and amazing and and empowering, um, and like that was like the most amazing thing I ever saw. Like um, at the concert last summer, like it was during the run up to the election, and they uh they did ready to run actually, but it was a, like a sort of, uh, campaign, uh, politically. And they had all these pictures of like Trump with like devil horns and stuff. And like this entire, you know, arena of country music fans is like cheering about this, which a decade ago would never have happened. Like, and I think they just provided this, this outlet, like that you could be respectful of the genre and its history and not necessarily, agree with its overall political leanings which like for me was like i like country music but i always like had some trouble with like the uh right undertones Mm. of it what are some other bands in the country genre that you like oh gosh i mean i don't listen to that many now um, I listen to more bluegrass music than I do country music now. I like I like Patty Loveless a lot, who's a bluegrass singer, but she did release some country albums. But her bluegrass albums are better, I think. Um, and then 
Marty and Emily have a side project band. Um, that's pretty good. The Courtyard Hounds. Is that more more bluegrass? Yeah. Okay. So it's um, fair to say the elements of the Dixie Chicks you seek out other other artists are more the bluegrass. More the bluegrass. Yeah. I don't listen to a lot of country music nowadays. Um, and I think the the genre itself has expanded so much to include a lot of very different things. Like I I like um, Miranda Lambert, who's a pretty traditional country musician and Pistol Annie's, which is one of her side projects, mm-hmm. which is also a girl band. Hell on Heels. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I like I like that sort of like girl power country, I guess, which is, a little, little, I don't little, like saying that, but. <laughs> little Casey Musgraves. Yeah, I've heard of her. <laughs> yeah. Do you know her songs at all? Not really. Oh, well, you should. <laughs> I think there's some stuff that you'd really respond to. Probably, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I listen to a lot less country now than I did when I was growing up, but I still, like, respond to it, and I, I kind of respond to its straightforwardness a lot of the time, but then, like, I also really appreciate when it gets a little more lyrically uh, complicated. Yeah. Complex. In some ways, country has expanded to include other elements of other genres that um, I, in some ways are is inspiring and good, but in a lot of times feels very crass and weird. Like, what do you mean? Like, like basically the entire career of Florida Georgia Line. What do they do? Which is, a, they did Cruise. Baby, You a Song. You Make Me Want to Roll My Windows Down. Oh, and that Cruise. one. They are the epitome of country band who is embarrassed that they are country band. And then you have, like, um, Keith Urban. Keith Urban is making music now, which is, like, by no means is, country music. Is he the one who's Australian? Is he Australian? He's married to someone who's... Is he married to Nicole Kidman? Or is mm-hmm. that Kenny Chesney? It's Kenny Chesney. He's married to another singer who is... Faith Evans? No. <laughs> I'm just I'm just falling on I'm my face here. I'm looking at my country uh, genre here in my iTunes. Well, a, lot, a lot of T-Swift in there. I can see. It's mostly Taylor Swift and Miranda Lambert. And some Sugarland. Honestly, anything post like and the Dixie Chicks, anything post uh, speechless is pretty debatable for country when it comes to Taylor right? Swift. Right, but it's all. Um, I'm not not speechless. Speak now. It's all labeled that way still. Fearless is still labeled, or is fearless before speak now? Because red and uh, I, I confused speak now with fearless, didn't I? Red and and uh, a 1989 or pop. Oh, the, yeah. There's no argument that like red I think is they're country labeled music. under pop. But, yeah. Um. Yeah, it's mostly Taylor Swift and Miranda Lambert, but also, like, I would argue, not necessarily country, but, like, on the bluegrass side of things, Secret Sisters. Yeah. Love me the Secret Sisters. That's a little bit country, too, and not it's just bluegrass, because they're not, they're more focused on the close harmony and the steel guitar than, than the It's much more banjo the, and... The classic style. Yeah. The classic style of country as opposed to the bluegrass parts of it. Yeah. Um, a little bit more like the the Leuven Brothers. <laughs> yeah, you like the Leuven Brothers? Satan is real. That's not a song. It's just I'm telling you right now, Satan is real. <laughs> and he lives inside me. Okay, cool. But they're making a new album. I'm excited about that. The Leuven Brothers? No, the Secret <laughs> Sisters. Uh, I, I hope they do. No, they are. I'm, I'm, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> this is... Not really as insightful of a question, but the playlist you created for me, as I mentioned before, is entirely songs from after Natalie Maines joined the band, mm-hmm. which is when the band, you know, got their major label debut and sort mm-hmm. of became the group that they are now. 
Um, but they were they were like three albums before that, right? Mm-hmm. With the two other people basically leading the band. Yeah. Whose names I do not know. Uh, I want to say one of them is Robin Lynn Macy. That sounds right. And Laura, Laura something. Laura Lynn? Laura. It's Laura something, I think. Laura Lynch Tull. Ah. Mm-hmm. And Robin Lynch Macy. Oh, okay. Always good to get that word right up in the name. <laughs> Um, but do you have any do you have any opinions about the, I'm sorry I didn't mean to cut you off. No, go ahead. Do you have any opinions about the pre Natalie Maines albums, or do you consider those just non canonical? I think they're a different band before then. I did listen to all of that in preparation for this, so I could speak on it. Um, <laughs> and like I I didn't dislike it. it. I think their their first independent album, Thank Heavens for Dale Evans, is is a good bluegrass album like it's 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 very traditional bluegrass but it's it's not bad and i enjoyed it but it's um neither robin lynn macy or um laura lynchell are as strong a singers as natalie mains is they were also i I don't know about um laura but robin lynn was almost 10 years older than both uh the sisters whose last names were Something else <laughs> when they joined, like Emily was like 18 or 19 when the band started. Um, and from what I understand, she she left because she wanted to stay a sort of traditional bluegrass band, whereas the rest of them wanted to sort of explore a, a sound that was maybe uh, further reaching. <laughs> um, and then I don't really know what happened I think the other one just left because she wanted to do other things. And then uh, Natalie Maines' father was one of the backup musicians who worked with them on their third album. And he was like, uh, here's my daughter. She's a good singer. <laughs> and she was. And, and it's a, uh, I think the sound that they have is great. And they got picked up for a major label. And yeah, it's just it's a totally different band pre that. <laughs> um but like if you like bluegrass classic bluegrass music, you can find it on YouTube, but nowhere else because Cool. I yeah. I don't. So Jason. Yeah? What'd you think? I liked it. Yeah. I definitely gravitated more towards the less bluegrass influenced songs mm-hmm. and more towards the more country songs and the more you know, the the poppier stuff, mm-hmm. which is not surprising, but no. I really kind of realized doing this that I just kind of don't like bluegrass. Oh. I've never done like a deep dive on bluegrass, but yeah. I've heard enough of it in my life to sort of realize that, you know, if any genre that doesn't ha- doesn't emphasize guitar and drums is not going to do a ton for me. Or or synth, if that's kind of out of the question. <laughs> yeah, some country synth, I like and, it. And so <laughs> I, I was sort of not into the selections from the home album. Because that is very, like, I just don't think I like the banjo as an instrument, to be honest. Oh, it's so upsetting. I know. love it, the banjo. I know. It's, it's not even, I don't have an argument against the banjo. It's just, it's a personal preference. I don't love that sound. The tone of it does not really do much do for me. Do you have, me. like, Deliverance flashbacks? <laughs> I mean, I, I didn't experience the events of the film Deliverance, if that's what you're saying. Or, and I've not seen the movie Deliverance. You haven't? No. Okay. Have you? Yeah. Oh, how does how, how it hold up? Eh. Not so good? <laughs> It's not super memorable. 
other than the. Um, I, I really enjoyed, I think if I had to pick, I think my favorites came from At Fly. Mm-hmm. And you gave me like almost the entire album of Fly a in your playlist. It, yeah. and you, I got a lot of it. And I like what I like what I heard. Mm-hmm. And I really enjoyed Taking the Long Way. Mm-hmm. I think Taking the Long Way is probably their, the closest to pop that they get. Yeah, yeah. But um, it's also got, because like one of the songs you put on there for me is the song they, they co-wrote with Keb Moe. Who is a who's, bl- who's a blues artist that I am a casual fan of, but I do appreciate his work. So I enjoy like that. It's a more grounded sound, I find. What song blue- is that? Uh, I hope. Yeah. It's the one that sounds like it's written co-written by a, a blues yeah. musician. Yeah, it sounds like kind of a uh, spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it's I like that more grounded sound. Like bluegrass, it just they always break off into the banjo plays, then the fiddle plays, and I don't know where we're, what does this even mean. <laughs> It's just, it. noise. it's just noise. It's just noise, noise, noise. Um, but and I, it's hard for me to really. I had some trouble when I was sort of experiencing the music for the first time because the way I relate to music is almost primarily lyrics based. That that sort of is the same way I track, like, or the way I sort of like try to understand how I feel about an artist is mm-hmm. their songwriting. And the Dixie Chicks, like, they co-wrote a lot of their songs. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And they co-wrote all, all of their songs, at least co-wrote, or they, they, they're they the primary songwriters on all of Taking on the Long all Way. All of Taking the Long Way, yeah. And it's my favorite one, which is, you know, goes to show I like their work. But yeah. a lot of their songs are not written by them, mm-hmm. which is a standard thing in, in country music. And in bluegrass music especially, there's yeah. a lot of, like, classic, like, you, what is your interpretation of this classic song? Yeah. So um, that's not an unusual, unusual thing in, in that style of music, but it's sort of difficult for me because then I can't go like if I just praise the way a song is written or you know composed I'm not really relating to the band and I, and I got over that to a degree once I sort of put together oh they're playing almost every instrument that I'm hearing yeah which I didn't really pick up on at first like that's, <laughs> oh, that, that's them I mean they have they have a, a backing yeah, band there's but, more but the primary like on on wide open spaces especially there's a lot less of a band yeah. than um, cause, cause Natalie plays the guitar, um, and, and the other two play pretty much every other bluegrass instrument you could think of. Pretty much. Yeah. It's like having seen it in person, you know, like 20 feet away from me. It's, it's very impressive. Oh, I bet. Cause they are supremely talented musicians. They're very talented musicians. And so while that's not the way that I usually approach music, I definitely could appreciate that and enjoy hearing it. Just not in the bluegrass form. <laughs> Um. Well, I'm I'm sorry that you don't share my love for bluegrass music, but it's okay. I still lo- I love the Dixie Chicks. Yeah. This is good stuff. I really wa- I want to hear the whole um the last I hate calling the last album too because I want the more. long way around. Yeah, I want I want more I want more too now. Yeah, I didn't realize there were only really four canonical albums. Yeah. Um. And I really it's sort of interesting with this thing we do here on the podcast. With music especially is unique because you're really, the way people enjoy music and like it, the way they take it in, into their lives is when you listen to someone's favorite band, you're getting more of a view of their psyche than if maybe you've like, if you like, because you feel like you, if you, someone's like, this is my favorite book or my favorite movie, you can sort of get something from that sometimes. But music is so, typically if you're someone's, if you're someone's favorite band, they're relating to something very deeply. So you're really sort of like, 
digging into someone's headspace a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed that. Well, and like for me, like I, I had... enjoyed I enjoyed getting inside your mind and just sort of rooting around and <laughs> and seeing what I found in there. Thanks. I'm glad you had a good time. <laughs> um, like, and for me especially, like I have bands that I really like that I like enjoy the music of, but like this is a band that I like is a part of me in some way and like that I grew up with and that I like feel very connected to. So I'm glad you got to experience that part of me. Um, I'll give you the rest of taking the long way, the long way around. Thank you. Um, and the rest of fly if you want it. I didn't leave that much off, but yeah, give me the rest of that too. Um, I won't give you the rest of home, even though it's real good. <laughs> Kelsey, don't, don't be like this. <laughs> don't make this about that. I won't. Don't, don't hold it against me. I'm sorry. I have preferences. I'm sorry. I'm only human. I'm not a robot. So Jason. Yeah. Yes, Kelsey. Knowing. Sorry, I, I was on my way out the door. I had my hat on and I was <laughs> picked up my briefcase and my jacket was buttoned. I, you just caught me. What? What's up? Knowing how I feel about the music of the Dixie Chicks, is there anything that I haven't experienced or that you think I haven't experienced that you would recommend to me? Let me ask you this, a question to answer your question. Uh, How familiar are you with the works of Hank Williams Sr.? Not that familiar. Like, probably more familiar than I think I am, Mm. just through, like, cultural osmosis. But not like I couldn't be like. My 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 um, recommendation is I recommend that you get further acquainted. Okay. It's worth just even from purely an anthropological point of view, just yeah. like really dig in, like this this whole uh, listen to a great deal of his stuff because it yeah. was obviously it's very as we discussed very foundational to country music, and a lot of it's really good. Like a lot of it really holds up. Mm-hmm. It's and he you know he be um, not I'm not. I'm not trying to throw shade by saying this, but he wrote his own songs, which means it's a different, it's just a, di- a different thing. Well, yeah. And, and, he you, also- you, can, you, and you can tell because he repeats some of the same concepts. Like, yeah. I don't know if anyone listening is uh, familiar with Move It On Over or um, Mind Your Own Business, but those are the same song. <laughs> they are the, he wrote the exact same song. He did, it, he did it at least once. He probably did it more than once. I mean, his life story is, of course, pretty tragic and sad he basically drank himself to death um which is another reason why he's like this the country music icon because he has that tragic story um so i and, I and i find classic country especially fascinating it, it maybe you know it's i feel like sometimes like maybe i'm just experiencing a bit of a distancing effect with the passage of time like if i was alive the time that the Luvin brothers were producing their music i probably would have not enjoyed that but like listen to it now like a sort of a I don't want to say it's ironic, but the album, the Leuven Brothers album, Satan is Real, is a very pretty and very strange and weird. Cause do you know anything about the Leuven Brothers? I don't. They were a brother, the two brothers, there was like a, they were like a close harmony duo okay. who sang songs about like death and tragedy and, and God and hell. Like old school, they did a lot of murder ballads. Love it. They did a lot of things. You know like, we like murder ballads I was out with my sweetheart and my I, life. Picked up a rock and I beat her to death for no reason. <laughs> and now I'm sad because I'm going to hell. Now I feel like if someone needs to write us a murder ballad. What, you like about us? I don't know. I just love a good murder ballad. 
So what what is the, what is the subject matter of that murder ballad? I I don't know. Are we like do we murder someone in this or are we getting murdered? I th- That's are is one of us murdering I, the I other. I think it has to be one of us <laughs> is murdering the other one. Partnership gone sour. Uh, which I will I'll... Or Morgan, he's murdering us both. <laughs> <laughs> I I think it, I'll leave it up to the the, the songwriter um Zach Smith. <laughs> which one of us is murdering the other one? That feels like a creative choice. I don't want to box anyone in too much. But yeah. if, if someone will write yeah. that for us, that will be our new theme song. <laughs> um, speaking none, of which. Speaking of which, I have not thanked anyone for like two straight months. Oh, shit. So I want to give a special thanks to Dania Bowd of the Weeping Willards for use of their song Outside in the Rain from their self-titled album available on Bandcamp. You should buy it. You should buy it. You can get it for free, but you should pay for it. You should pay something for it. Also, a special thanks to Carly Sussman, who designed our logo. Thank you, Carly. Thanks, Carly. We should plug that uh, frequent collaborator, occasional guest host, and noted spouse, Sarah Shepard, was on the very funny and charming Ladies Love Paul Rudd podcast, Mm -hmm. talking about they came together. You should go listen to it. Uh, Listen to it. Sarah really um, does a very good job, sort of puts me to shame. As as a, as a podcaster, she's got a great radio voice. She we should have her on again. We should. We, you know what? That's a good idea. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening once again. Oh, I've um. Uh, he, there's no way he's gotten this far, but uh, thanks and apologies to Scott Prendergast <laughs> for listening to our Kablooey episode and then responding to it on Twitter in a very, very fair manner. Yes. Thanks for fact checking us. Thank you for, for fact checking I mean, us. Thanks for fact checking Morgan. He, those factual errors were both yeah, his. Yeah, I kind of thought Morgan would really bring the facts to that episode. <laughs> we wouldn't have to really research for it, but goes to show you can't trust anyone. This is what I'm saying. We gotta just this. This is this is what's important. This is what's important. Yeah, the two of us pointing pointing back and forth to Kelsey and myself right now. Yeah. This is this is what makes the show. Obviously. Okay, I think that about covers it. Um, I guess. I guess I'm Jason Edwards. I'm Kelsey Goldman. Happy holidays, y'all. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't realize that's the word. I was trying to do it both at the same time, and I said y'all, so it would be like, you know, like colloquial, like do, the Dixie Chicks. Do you want to try it again? Or <laughs> no, I think it works. No. Are we no, done now? They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up. Can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up, can't let them get to me. And even though I always fuck my life up, only I can mention me. Only I can mention me. I can mention me. I am disappointed you didn't cry at all. <laughs> no, I don't want to say. I like, worked really hard not to. I don't, to be I, fair, I don't want to see you cry. Obviously, but I feel like that would have made a really good, really good audio. I mean, if you go listen towards the beginning, I'm definitely like a attempting not to. What, what could I have said that would have made you cry? Like, what would we have gotten into that really would have made you get down know. into it? Is it because you cried out yourself out yesterday? Probably. Alone in my office, <laughs> crying. What else is an office good for? Listening to I Hope. Uh, hope. Bubble love for joy and laughter. Uh, hope. You'll have more than you ever 
<laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and That's the post-credits goof, isn't and, it? And scene. <laughs>